Chapter forty five of The Legacy of Cain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Warren Cotty, Gurney, Illinois. The Legacy of Cain by Wilkie Collins. Chapter forty five The Fatal Portrait. I knocked at the bedroom door who's there only two words but the voice that uttered them hoarse and peremptory was altered almost beyond recognition if i had not known whose room it was i might have doubted whether the minister had really spoken to me at the instant when i answered him i was allowed to pass in having admitted me he closed the door and placed himself with his back against it the customary pallor of his face had darkened to a deep red there was an expression of ferocious mockery in his eyes helena's vengeance had hurt her unhappy father far more severely than it seemed likely to hurt me the doctor had said he was on the verge of madness to my thinking he had already passed the boundary line he received me with a boisterous affectation of cordiality my excellent friend my admirable honorable welcome guest you don't know how glad i am to see you stand a little nearer to the light i want to admire you remembering the doctor's advice i obeyed him in silence ah uh, you were a handsome fellow when i first knew you he said and you have some remains of it still left do you remember the time when you were a favorite with the ladies oh don't pretend to be modest don't turn your back now you are old on what you were in the prime of your life do you own that i am right what his object might be in saying this if indeed he had an object it was impossible to guess the doctor's advice left me no alternative i hastened to own that he was right as i made that answer i observed that he held something in his hand which was half hidden up the sleeve of his dressing-gown what the nature of the object was i failed to discover and when i happened to speak of you somewhere he went on i forget where a member of my congregation i don't recollect who it was told me you were connected with the aristocracy how were you connected he surprised me but however he had got his information he had not been deceived i told him that i was connected through my mother with the family to which he had alluded the aristocracy he repeated a race of people who are rich without earning their money and noble because their great-grandfathers were noble before them they live in idleness and luxury profligates who gratify their passions without shame and without remorse deny if you dare that this is a true description of them it was really pitiable heartily sorry for him i pacified him again and don't suppose i forget that you are one of them do you hear me my noble friend there was no help for it i made another conciliatory reply so far he resumed i don't complain of you you have not attempted to deceive me yet absolute silence is what i require next though you may not suspect it my mind is in a ferment 
i must try to think to some extent at least his thoughts betrayed themselves in his actions he put the object that i had half seen in his hand into the pocket of his dressing-gown and moved to the toilet table opening one of the drawers he took from it a folded sheet of paper and came back to me a minister of the gospel he said is a sacred man and has a horror of crime you are safe so far provided you obey me i have a solemn and terrible duty to perform this is not the right place for it follow me downstairs he led the way out the doctor waiting in the passage was not near the stairs and so escaped notice what is it mr wellwood whispered in the same guarded way i said he has not told me yet i have been careful not to irritate him when we descended the stairs the doctor followed us at a safe distance he mended his pace when the minister opened the door of the study and when he saw us both pass in before he could follow the door was closed and locked in his face mr gracedew took out the key and threw it through the open window into the garden below turning back into the room he laid the folded sheet of paper on the table that done he spoke to me i distrust my own weakness he said a dreadful necessity confronts me i might shrink from the horrid idea and if i could open the door might try to get away escape is impossible now we are prisoners together but don't suppose that we are alone there is a third person present who will judge between you and me look there he pointed solemnly to the portrait of his wife it was a small picture very simply framed representing the face in a three-quarter view and part of the figure only as a work of art it was contemptible but as a likeness it answered its purpose my unhappy friend stood before it in an attitude of dejection covering his face with his hands in the interval of silence that followed i was reminded that an unseen friend was keeping watch outside alarmed by having heard the key turned in the lock and realizing the embarrassment of the position in which i was placed the doctor had discovered a discreet way of communicating with me he slipped one of his visiting cards under the door with these words written on it how can i help you i took the pencil from my pocket-book and wrote on the blank side of the card he has thrown the key into the garden look for it under the window a glance at the minister before i returned my reply showed that his attitude was unchanged without being seen or suspected i in my turn slipped the card under the door the slow minutes followed each other and still nothing happened my anxiety to see how the doctor's search for the key was succeeding tempted me to approach the window on my way to it the tail of my coat threw down a little tray containing pens and pencils which had been left close to the edge of the table slight as the noise of the fall was it disturbed mr gracedew he looked round vacantly i have been comforted by prayer he told me 
the weakness of poor humanity has found strength in the lord he pointed to the portrait once more my hands must not presume to touch it while i am still in doubt take it down i removed the picture and placed it by his directions on a chair that stood midway between us to my surprise his tones faltered i saw tears rising in his eyes you may think you see a picture there he said you are wrong you see my wife herself stand here and look at my wife with me we stood together with our eyes fixed on the portrait without anything said or done on my part to irritate him he suddenly turned to me in a state of furious rage not a sign of sorrow he burst out not a blush of shame wretch you stand condemned by the atrocious composure that i see in your face a first discovery of the odious suspicion of which i was the object dawned on my mind at that moment my capacity for restraining myself completely failed me i spoke to him as if he had been an accountable being once for all i said tell me what i have a right to know you suspect me of something what is it instead of directly replying he seized my arm and led me to the table take up that paper he said there is writing on it read and let her judge between us your life depends on how you answer me was there a weapon concealed in the room or had he got it in the pocket of his dressing-gown i listened for the sound of the doctor's returning footsteps in the passage outside and heard nothing my life had once depended years since on my success in heading the arrest of an escaped prisoner i was not conscious then of feeling my energies weakened by fear but that man was not mad and i was younger in those days by a good twenty years or more at my later time of life i could show my old friend that i was not afraid of him but i was conscious of an effort in doing it i opened the paper am i to read this myself i asked or am i to read it aloud read it aloud in these terms his daughter addressed him i have been so unfortunate dearest father as to displease you and i dare not hope that you will consent to receive me what it is my painful duty to tell you must be told in writing grieved as i am to distress you in your present state of health i must not hesitate to reveal what it has been my misfortune i may even say my misery when i think of my mother to discover but let me make sure in such a serious matter as this is that i am not mistaken in those happy past days when i was still dear to my father you said you thought of writing to invite a dearly valued friend to pay a visit to this house you had first known him as i understood when my mother was still living many interesting things you told me about this old friend but you never mentioned that he knew or that he had even seen my mother i was left to suppose that those two had remained strangers to each other to the day of her death if there is any misinterpretation here of what you said or perhaps of what you meant to say pray destroy what i have written without turning to the next page 
and forgive me for having innocently startled you by a false alarm mr gracedew interrupted me put it down he cried i won't wait you have got to the end i shall question you now give me the paper it will help me to keep this mystery of iniquity clear in my own mind i gave him the paper he hesitated and looked at the portrait once more turn her away from me he said i can't face my wife i placed the picture with its back to him he consulted the paper reading it with but little of the confusion and hesitation which my experience of him had induced me to anticipate had the mad excitement that possessed him exercised an influence in clearing his mind resembling in some degree the influence exercised by a storm in clearing the air whatever the right explanation may be i can only report what i saw i could hardly have mastered what his daughter had written more readily if i had been reading it myself helena tells me he began that you said you knew her by her likeness to her mother is that true quite true and you made an excuse for leaving her see here it is written down you made an excuse and left her when she asked for an explanation i did he consulted the paper again my daughter says no i won't be hurried and i won't be interrupted she says you were confused is that so it is so let your questions wait for a moment i wish to tell you why i was confused haven't i said i won't be interrupted do you think you can shake my resolution he referred to the paper again i've lost the place it's your fault find it for me the evidence which was intended to convict me was the evidence which i was expected to find i pointed it out to him his natural courtesy asserted itself in spite of his anger he said thank you and questioned me the moment after as fiercely as ever go back to the time sir when we met in your rooms at the prison did you know my wife then certainly not did you and she see each other ha i've got it now did you see each other after i had left the town no prevarication you own to telling helena that you knew her by her likeness to her mother you must have seen her mother where i made another effort to defend myself he again refused furiously to hear me it was useless to persist whatever the danger that threatened me might be the sooner it showed itself the easier i should feel i told him that mrs gracedew had called on me after he and his wife had left the town do you mean to tell me he cried that she came to you i do after that answer he no longer required the paper to help him he threw it from him on the floor and you received her he said without inquiring whether i knew of her visit or not guilty deception on your part guilty deception on her part oh the hideous wickedness of it when his mad suspicion that i had been his wife's lover betrayed itself in this way i made a last attempt in the face of my own conviction that it was hopeless to place my conduct and his wife's conduct before him in the true light mrs gracedew's object was to consult me 
before i could say the next words i saw him put his hand into the pocket of his dressing-gown an innocent man he sternly declared would have told me that my wife had been to see him you kept it a secret an innocent woman would have given me a reason for wishing to go to you she kept it a secret when she left my house she kept it a secret when she came back mr gracedew i insist on being heard your wife's motive he drew from his pocket the thing that he had hidden from me this time there was no concealment he let me see that he was opening a razor it was no time for asserting my innocence i had to think of preserving my life when a man is without firearms what defence can avail against a razor in the hands of a madman a chair was at my side it offered the one poor means of guarding myself that i could see i laid my hand on it and kept my eye on him he paused looking backward and forward between the picture and me which of them shall i kill first he said to himself the man who was my trusted friend or the woman whom i believed to be an angel on earth he stopped once more in a state of fierce self-concentration debating what he should do the woman he decided wretch fiend harlot how i loved her with a yell of fury he pounced on the picture ripped the canvas out of the frame and cut it malignantly into fragments as they dropped from the razor on the floor he stamped on them and ground them under his foot go wife of my bosom he cried with a dreadful mockery of voice and look go and burn everlastingly in the place of torment his eyes glared at me your turn now he said and rushed at me with his weapon ready in his hand i hurled the chair at his right arm the razor dropped on the floor i caught him by the wrist like a wild animal he tried to bite me with my free hand if i had known how to defend myself in any other way i would have taken that way with my free hand i seized him by the throat forced him back and held him against the wall my grasp on his throat kept him quiet but the dread of seriously injuring him so completely overcame me that i forgot i was a prisoner in the room and was on the point of alarming the household by a cry for help i was still struggling to preserve my self-control when the sound of footsteps broke the silence outside i heard the key turn in the lock and saw the doctor at the open door end of chapter forty five recording by warren cotty gurney illinois